I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It, it was useful and it was a promise under the guise of people to make a lot of fees selling liquid products, right? I mean, if you think about it, Charles Schwab was the, he was the merchant of liquidity. He came in and he was able to really take advantage of the opportunity when the uh, ERISA Act was passed in 1974 that allowed, you know, individuals to own stocks through tax deferred, you know, um, vehicles. The 401k came out, the IRA. But that has been, you know, if you look at it, it's a mass market appeal. So if you're middle class, then you go for the mass market. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Sal. Today's episode is about wealth. I'm hoping to do a series of interviews with people who can help the audience, you know, define wealth and build generational wealth in that capacity, but also understand different ways to invest. Sal has his own approach, and he wrote a book about how the super wealthy have come to understand money and invest and build wealth. Every single piece of content about wealth always comes with a disclaimer, which is, you know, do your own education and make sure you do your own research. So I want you to apply that to this episode as well, but also just understand that every approach you have when it comes to to wealth in terms of education and self-education and understanding thought leaders is beneficial. So his experience as someone who's worked with investment firms, been the leader of investment firms is, is, is quite invaluable. But I want you to make sure that you are seeing yourself in each of the pieces of advice it gives. Take what you want and pass it on to the people in your influence. So today's episode is about his approach and what he's learned. I hope you're able to then use it to come up with a curriculum for yourself as you're building wealth. And then Hey, if you want more episodes on wealth, whether it's crypto, real estate, or any of those things, please let me know because it's something I'm currently educating myself on and I'm constantly amazed by what I learn through success and failure. But for now, enjoy today's episode. Make sure you click the link to grab his book and see you on the other side. Welcome everyone to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today we have Salvatore Buscemi. Now, Salvatore is the Chief Investment Officer at Dandrew Partners Capital Management. Buscemi also is the managing partner for several other direct investment vehicles across several asset classes in commercial real estate and credit, fine art, 
private credit facilities, special situations, and several well-performing life science investments, among others. Bashema is a frequent speaker and guest lecturer on real estate finance at a professional symposium and has written numerous articles on the topic. We're here to discuss his new book and also how you can start investing for your future, long-term wealth. His book is called Invest in Legacy, How the 0.01% Invest. Welcome to the show. How are you? That was a very nice introduction. Just call me Sal from now on. Oh, you know what? Sal, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's like the first time we've ever talked together. You're like, Salvatore. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Sounds like, like my mom's disciplining me, like, but I appreciate it. parents? <laughs> Salvatore. So it's interesting. So everything that you just mentioned in my biography has nothing to do with stocks or crypto. So why am I on your your beautiful website, Kyle. What I mean, your uh, podcast here. What's the, what, what goes? Well, I mean, you know, we were discussing in the pre-show and a lot of it has to do with generational wealth. I think there's a rush right now. Even if you mm-hmm. look at what happened in the pandemic where everybody, you know, freaked out, maybe people that didn't save and people that didn't have investments were wondering, what am I going to do? Or what am I going to enter into the job market? And you had a crypto boom and then you had stocks and you have people saying, that's not good. That's not good. But you should do real estate. The point is, there's a lot of confusion about what the best way to invest is. And you have insight into how the riches of the rich and the wealthiest of the wealthy invest. So I'm so curious to to learn from you about that. It just, you know what the difference is? It's And it's today and... Um, especially with the younger generation and the younger, what we call the next generations is that they're looking at things to carry on their name, like their brand. And a great example of this is going to be Kim Kardashian, or actually a great example where I think that you're going to start to see a little arms race um, with some of these legacies that I think have been started by um, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, by Vanessa Bryant, you're going to start these big legacies. They're all thinking long-term, right? These guys are thinking longer term. They're building brands, franchises, and leveraging off of that. Marilyn Monroe has 1.8 million followers, right? So you're starting to see today the younger generation start to pick up a lot of media, and they're converting that media into wealth. And now it's like, well, what do we do with the wealth? And that's where you start to see where you have different identities with people as it relates to investing. For example, no one's going to call, you know, I I can't see, for example, you know, name, name any sort of billionaire you can think of, but just name someone. Uh, I can't Mark, see Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I can't see Mark Zuckerberg, call, you know, turning over to his wife one day and saying, hey, there's a great chat here on Reddit about Dogecoin. I think I should put $100 million into it. Do you really think that that's what those guys are doing? And it's not. What they're looking to do is to perpetuate not just the cash flow and everything financially, but to also make a statement as to who they are and where they want to be and how they want to be defined going forward. So everything that you've talked about before and everything we've talked about before this interview, people today have very short-term perceptions. We're in a very consumer-based society. Everybody is levered. Everybody wants to buy things to show off and everything. But there's no depth after that, right? I mean, Imelda Marcos had the world's famous, most famous shoe collection, but after she died, is that, that's what she's remembered for, something maybe not as glorious as maybe having your name on the side of a library or before your favorite show or documentary that you helped support and everything. And that's really how a lot of um, the difference between how the wealthy today work and identify themselves as compared to the middle class. And the middle class today is mostly as one investment scheme that I've seen. One, it doesn't matter, it's just one. 
and I call it the GRQ investment scheme, get rich quick, because they will do anything to swing for the fences for at least a sliver of a hope that they're going to become the next, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates yeah. or, you know, add in whatever name you have. But we're in a very short term, conspicuous society. And during the pandemic, to your point, people weren't really thinking about um, investing in real estate. They were looking at how it was behaving. They were, they were gambling. That's what they're doing, right? So that's dopamine. I mean, you're addicted to dopamine. You seem like you're young, younger than I am. You grew up with Instagram and Facebook and everything. But <laughs> hey, you look great. But your generation has different, you know, trials and tribulations than ours. And I think if you look at it, and I wrote about it in my book, Investing Legacy, how the 0.001% or the top 1,000th of 1% is that we really want to focus on they're looking long-term, like no family that I work with wants to look at an investment that has any sort of duration in or plan less than 40 years. Your friend over there is looking to buy his lime green Lamborghini after he gets his next big hit yeah. on some sort of a crypto type of currency. There's no longevity there. I mean, we call it investing, but is it really? And I think that's what I talk about in the book is it depends on your identity and where you are in life. And and I, I think like a lot of these liquid products now have been turned into, even single family homes have been turned into speculative products today. Well, the, the, that, that's why I'm so excited to have you on here because, you know, I'm thinking about my generation and the next generation. You have a take on liquidity and you say it's overrated. And, and in fact, a lot of the super wealthy agree with that. And it's you know leading me towards the idea of real estate, right? You're talking about how real estate is still an undervalued market, and people. Don't- I wouldn't say it's undervalued. I think there's it's it's right now, not all real estate's made equal, right? Okay. And it comes it comes down to who you want paying your rent each month. If you want a guy who's poorer than you living in a impoverished area in the United States in a in a house that's giving you nine hundred fifty dollars a month cash, uh, but you're only collecting two hundred fifty dollars a month off of that. How stable is that as far as your financial income? Not really, right? That guy might not have a job tomorrow or some state or local city law can come in and say that there's a rent moratorium and you don't have to pay rent, correct? Right. So, so but you know, but the, that's a wealth creation mechanism and that's where a lot of the middle class will break their teeth as they go up the ladder, you know, starting with single family homes, which is great. Multifamily too has been kind of like a very risky investment. Just because it's real estate doesn't necessarily mean that your tenants have to pay rent. And I think people came to that realization and a lot of families got wiped out. So real estate is great if you buy it right and you're with the right people. If you're doing things wrong and you're working, your tenants are poorer than you are, then that's a problem because that's not a good way to go to bed at night, hoping that you're going to retire on someone who is not as smart or motivated as you are. Fair enough. Fair fair enough. So then if you're saying liquidity is overrated, what should we do? No, I'm not saying it's over. I think it's overrated for certain people, but I think it's, yeah, yeah, but, but for, you know, for people who, you know, have come into their own, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, they don't have a job in corporate America where they're waiting for like, you know, they're not taxed like everything, but you know, you you get these guys and then you meet a lot of them and they look like ordinary guys, but they're sitting on millions and millions of dollars of cash and they don't know what to do with it because they don't have really the right networks to do it. Right. If I didn't write this book, you wouldn't be in my network and you wouldn't have anything to do with it because you know, unless we met at a conference and you were doing real estate or something like that, real, I mean, there would be another way for us professionally to meet. But a lot of these people, they just have very poor networks and they rely on their drinking buddies for advice on deals. And they also do things that they shouldn't be doing because they just don't know any better. And right. so really it's the strength of your society and people don't like to hear it, but you need to sort of, today people are, 
they, they're a lot more interconnected than they used to be. The podcast have brought that out and the, um, the pandemic has actually forced people to come out and want to be a little more social and have a little more interactivity. People want that oxytocin still that they've missed over the past two years. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you, when you start looking at it, the function of the opportunities you're seeing are a function of your network and you need to start investing into your network before you can be trusted to write a check into a big commercial deal. Yeah. Because the last thing people want to do is, I don't know this guy from Adam and you're going to tell me that he's going to write a check for a half million dollars into a deal. Is that something I'm going to go to the bank with? Like, I'm going to do that with other larger families. It doesn't make sense, right? Because automatically he's the weakest, most inexperienced link there. So you really need to gather around and you need to show an interest by being present, asking questions, meeting people. And also, most importantly, just talking about what you want to accomplish. What do you want your epitaph to look like? What do you think Michael Jordan wants his epitaph to look like, yeah. right? It's yeah. a lot different than middle-class Marty in Minnesota who's flipping bitch, you know, you know, Dogecoin or, you know, whatever the hell they call it. We, we, <laughs> you know, I heard it called Bitcoin. I heard that. I was like, you really. <laughs> I'm like, this is a family show, but then I'm like, ah. Oh, no, no, it, no, you, you can, no, you can be as free as you want. The thing that I, but something I want to ask you here, because you observe yeah. this now. Wealth is being spread in unique ways now, especially for the next generation, right? So you, you, you touched no, it's on- being made in unique oh, ways. Made in unique ways, fair enough. Okay. You brought up this idea of influencer before we got on. And if, if we're looking at, let's say, top influencers, the, the, depending on what they make or what they model brand for, they can get you know, six-figure deals per brand. Yeah. What would you say for someone 18, 19, who's just running into this wealth for the first time, what, how would you advise them to really invest that so it becomes generational? Because we have heard the horror stories of people losing a lot of well, that money. I feel bad for the sports guys because the sports guy, if you look at an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur has a problem. They can get up, dust themselves off and start all over again. Joe Namath is selling hearing aids. I don't know, but he's not going to be able to dust himself off and, you know, win a Super Bowl again and be able to get the same type of income. So the entrepreneurs are uh, people who are very open-minded because they're the ones who are going, they, and, and, and it follows like the history of like, you know, a lot of the wealthy families in Europe and how they came over here and they became wealthy. Today, that lever is media, okay? And I would say if you're coming into a lot of money and you don't know what to do with it, you need to get out of your circle, okay? Out of your circle, all right? And find someone who's kind of like a financial nerd who has a pretty good reputation, or at least find, you know, back into someone who you can start asking questions about. Mm. But before you do that, you know, you want to know, what do you want your epitaph to say? What is your impact statement? You're going to get tired doing content every day. I've done it before. A lot of these influencers, you know, there's a short life with them. Sometimes they go longer, um, but, you know, then they just retire, right? I mean, because they just make so much money. They have so much reoccurring money coming in from, social media. It is. I mean, you know, it's so they don't know. And, and, and I would tell them, separate the ego and figure out where you want to be in five years. And if you can't tell me where you want to be in five years, then you should not be investing any money yet. Wow. You know, okay. Yeah. And make sure, but you have to get all the, you know, the, the yaya's out of your system, get rid of the Lamborghini, get rid of the Ferrari, get over that stuff, get your second girlfriend who's ESL, get through all that stuff. And then figure out what you want to do. Get rid of the because distractions. It, get rid of yeah, the distractions. Get rid of the distractions. Yes, the yaya. You say get yeah. the yaya. <laughs> yeah, you know? Expand your circle because and find someone who understands money 
to have the discussion before you, you, you really decide what to do with your money. Because some people think they know what they want to do with their money when they get into a lot of money, but then after they you have no idea, no, like, it's paralysis to them. It's like being at the altar. It's like, what do I do? I've seen this before where people have sold bars and covering alcoholics and then they go back into alcoholism because they thought they could handle it. And, you know, and it's just, it's a sad story. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, you have to really think about where do you, what, you have to be mature enough to say, look, I'm done with this. And I'll tell you one thing, to be honest with you, is that I wrote this book and I went with a, a female publisher because dudes don't read finance books. And at the higher circles, a lot of women make a lot more decisions up at finances and how to invest in everything than most guys who seem to be more ego driven, dopamine driven, you know, especially at a younger age. I'm that way. You're that, you know, we're all that way, right? We've all had the bullying and everything, but it's the women who usually um, will approach us and they'll say, Hey, I read your investment letter. Looks great. Congratulations. I don't really know too much about what you're doing, but I'll, I'll just want to let you in on something. Okay. Um, Bryson just got another, you know, this is the story. Bryson just got another, you know, he got his fifth Porsche. He's come into a lot of money and I'm looking to build a legacy. Like what you say. What does that mean? And so I, I wrote the book for that audience because, you know, and, and it's actually interesting because I was recording something, another podcast in the studio not too long ago. And Mel Robbins was there. who's a very famous yeah, speaker. Probably. And I was talking to her and I gave her a copy of it. And I told her like, no, I don't have an audiobook version. She's like, you need to have an audiobook version. And she was going through all the stats and why and everything. And it's been a success because let's face it, most dudes are going to be, you know, on Reddit or Instagram looking for the next stock trade, you know, the next stock trade to happen. They're not really interested in longevity. They're interested in now, unless they have, unless they fit a different profile, which I talk about in the book, but for the most part, until you get to your, you know, mid forties of the company, you know, you're still evolving to that point. By the way, we'll make sure we'll put the link to the book in the show notes. And the book is called Invest in Legacy, How the 0.01 percent invest no and, point zero zero one two zero one sorry point zero zero one point yeah. zero zero one well, hear about the one percent nobody wants no who cares about that right but yeah seriously yeah. you can go to the bmw dealership to see that but you know seriously if you want to you know the, the, there's an interesting thing with the book too is that they go to investinglegacy.com forward slash gift there's a free gift there that talks about all the mistakes that every family has ever made that i've worked with and it's funny because if you're, even if you're young, you can actually go through each one and you can actually probably know close personal friends or family who lost a lot of money because of number four, yeah. or number six. So I would urge people to download that first, but the book does go into it. And it talks about a lot of the biases and differences that aren't really talked about today because we're in a very, you know, people like to talk about fake news where there's a lot of fake financial. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
There's a lot of fake financial news. Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective, and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses, it's a mix of resources, things you can download, and all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out, use it with your friends, use it with your family, use it with yourself, okay? The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. Well, let's let's get real on one financial news. One of the the seeming, seemingly unavoidable facts is, at least you believe this, is that the true, you believe that the generation of wealth gets often lost in the third generation. It does. So, it be, yeah, it does. Um, and I'll tell you why. It's because the first generation are the ones who did the blood, sweat, and tears. They're usually, um, you know, going back like 40 years, they're first generation immigrants. They, they just brought it all together. Um, and it took a long time for that wealth to, to come. And with that wealth came with a lot of responsibility, but it also came with a, with a contract because a lot of people were not ready to have that responsibility of that much wealth. So then it becomes an issue of do I deserve it or not, or what happens to be able to assert it. And today, you know, that was the way it was back in the old days because it took a lot longer for that kind of wealth to be created. Today, wealth is being created much faster today with social media, um, with, you know, anyone who's had a hit song, you know, William Hung, I'm sure makes a lot of money from his days on uh, America's Got Talent just for being him, right? The media is an equal opportunity wealth creator today. And that is starting to per- perpetuate into more of an entrepreneurial class within the middle class that you're starting to see emerge as a result of it. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ameri- the fabric of America lays out when you have the wage earners, corporate America, and then you have this other rising tide of basically digital entrepreneurs, wherever they are, whether they're doing stocks or they're on OnlyFans, that that is the true bastion of entrepreneurship. And because it's become so easy and it's never been easier before in the history of mankind to do this, it's very easy for people to create wealth um, using social media as a lever. But the problem is, what do they do with that money? And that's where the book comes in. It's one thing to make it, it's an entirely different thing to keep it. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're Think right. About you're it. right. Yeah. Well, one of the ways that people, uh, at least when I was growing up, when I, when I was younger, people would always tell me, get the job with the 401k. That's how you keep your wealth. That's middle class bullshit, though. It really is. And, and, no, and the point me. is, is that, yeah, I mean, it really is because, I mean, think about it. You're going to work for a company that's going to cut you off at the knees because you can only contribute, what, 15000 a year? Right? If you that, can contribute. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know, but it's just, that there's, it, it was useful and it was a promise under the guise of people to make a lot of fees selling local products, right? I mean, if you think about it, Charles Schwab was the, he was the merchant of liquidity. He came in and he was able to really take advantage of the opportunity when the uh, ERISA Act was passed in 1974 that allowed you know, individuals to own stocks through tax deferred you know, um, vehicles. The 401k came out, the IRA, but that has been, you know, if you look at it, it's a mass market appeal. So if you're middle class and you go for the mass market and, you know, those are stocks and 
you know, there's, I, you know, I'll let you in. There's probably more mutual funds than there are probably listed stocks today. There's probably more ETFs than there are listed stocks today. And the only value in stocks right now seems to be betting on how far a stock price will go rather than the underlying fundamental valuations of a company if that stock is actually going to be in business anytime soon. So it's, be, it's, it's decoupled from the old days because it's been available to the masses. And when you open things up to the masses, what happens? I mean, this is what happens. So things that used to be a store of wealth back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right, during the dot-com has now been fractionalized to the point where you have the lowest common denominator participating, making a lot of fees, but they're not making a lot of money themselves investing into these products based on my opinion. Well, you know, someone's listening right now and they, they say, well, okay, fine. I, I'm not an influencer. I'm just starting out. Stocks is wonky. Uh, Bitcoin, no. Real estate depends. What, 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 what is the path for them if they're trying to figure out how to, to even extend this wealth to the next generation if they just What do they out? want to do? What do they, here's, the, here's the question. What do they want to be reminded for? Do they want to be reminded as being a provider? Someone that owns a lot of real estate, but he's happened to put it off into special things and takes care of people. Maybe, you know, the guy, he has a family with special needs kids. This is what you need today. And, you know, he, you know, he need, he's a provider. His status is based on him providing. He wears square room glasses and all he wants is good real estate. Then you have the mogul. And this is the guy who's younger. Um, he's the wealth creator, typically. He's the one that starts the business or does something. This guy is interested more in investments that will accelerate his status that he can post on Instagram, right? This is the guy that, you know, wants you to know that who he's dating or, you know, where he's living or, you know, the investments he's into with other rock star types of investors. And then you have other people that sort of move from that, but it's a function of your personality because if you're a mogul and you're a hotshot, then real estate's really not going to be for you, is it? You're probably going to want to go into something similar where you can continue to make a name for yourself, such as like venture, uh, you know, mostly venture today, but high quality venture where you're participating with other world-class families who can not only help you financially reward, but it helps you build a circle of society. So you're getting more, you're getting more bang for your buck. You know, a lot of people don't say the middle class will only be like, well, what happens if the investment goes bad? Well, what happens if, you know, I lose money or what happens to this? Well, you're in a bunch of others that are doing really well. And by the way, you're in some of the deals that uh, some of the most famous, well-known families in America who are investors are invested into. What makes you think something's going to go wrong? And when you start removing everything from it, you start understanding and learning how the business works. That's when you can start making good decisions going into it rather than being led by, hey, my college roommate just made $10,000 flipping a stock. He didn't graduate high school, I mean, college, but he seems to be doing okay. Right. I got news for you, Teo. Everybody's doing okay today. And it's not until anything happens in the capital markets as far as any pullback, I believe, and you know, as far as raising interest rates, then you'll find out who the real men and women are from the boys and the girls. This is, this is fascinating. And if we, if again, we're, you know, for those listening, if you want more insight into the value systems, that affect uh, investment decision makings and, and just maybe a chance for you to basically sit in the front seat and experience a day in the life of, of a lot of these investors and, and these decision makers. I'd encourage you to get the book as, as, you, can, as you can hear from Sal. Sal's very passionate about uh, a, a lot of his, his thoughts on this, but he also thinks about it from a long-term perspective, how it really impacts your legacy. So whatever type of investor you want to be, who, you know, starts off with who do you want to be, right? Who do you want to be? be? How do you want to be remembered? Which you want to be, yeah, yeah. I think it's applicable for 
anything in life, honestly, even outside of finance. But it's it's so funny hearing you say it as it applies to finance, because that's not necessarily the narrative that exists when someone is thinking about maybe getting rich or investing. Let me, let me ask you a question. So this is interesting. So I was invited to this conference in LA and it's a yeah. big conference and there's a lot of hot shots there. And if you're in LA, let me know for this. Okay. Um, and uh, I have investments that I made that put me in that room. Okay. If those investments are doing well, but if they all shit the bed, just because I'm standing in the room with these guys and I'm meeting people, that's enough, I think, for me. You know, that's enough ROI for me because you'll always make the money back. You'll never make the time back. Right. We just, we just happen to have a good track record because we just work with people who are very, very experienced. There's no sharp tank or anything uh, nonsense that we deal with. This is usually like life sciences type of stuff. So there's a lot of good that needs to happen, but there's also a lot more bad that needs to happen at these stages before something you know, before anything can get destroyed. So we're very strategic in how we make these investments. But if you don't know who you're following and you're following another influencer, I'll bet you a hundred dollars. They have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Critical thinking is something that definitely needs to be applied to all these things, but we also need to understand. (laughs) We also need to understand why we're following someone and what it is that we like about that. Because if, if, if it becomes a thing of, I heard this, I heard this, you know, it gets lost in the game of telephone because maybe it worked for the person that first said it, but you might yeah, not even yeah. you know, work for that. So, yeah, okay. no, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. And, it, and it's just, it's especially more important today because there are more rich people uh, in the world than there ever have been in the face of the earth. Wow. Well, I got to ask you this before we close. How did you get started in this? I'm just always fascinated by careers like yours. What got you down this path? I, you know, it's interesting. It's like when my my parents saved for me to go to college and what they used to do back in the day is uh, save using these, what was called zero coupon bonds or, you know, tax-free bonds. But this is like during Carter when interest rates were like, you know, you could do stuff like that. And they were very conservative, but they didn't really know much about investing. They were medical professionals and my mom, you know, was a teacher. So, you know, they, they were able to do well doing it, but they never really were able to do much more than that because of, and I found out later in life, that they were just relying on information from other people who had been successful, right? I mean, just like we have people today, um, you know, who are flipping stocks back in the day, there were like little like penny saver type newspapers where you get delivered and do the penny stocks and all you guys that just, you know, day trade the penny stocks. So all that speculation and the greed genes have been around forever. It's just social media has made it much more popularized and people are much more aware of it today. The, what, what, what was interesting is that I uh, made the decision that I just wasn't passionate enough to pursue a career in medicine. It just wasn't in me after four years of being a biology and chemistry major. I just, I went through with it. Uh, my parents paid for college. I wanted to get out in four years. I didn't want to burden them with any more. So it's like, okay, you know, this is back in like the nineties when things were not as crazy as they were today, tuition wise. And I just basically networked and I was able to network my way because of a doctor that I, I tell the story in the book, but because of uh, the work I did in college, I was able to network with someone whose brother worked at a Wall Street firm who took a liking to me. So and that's really how it worked. And then, you know, when, whenever you learn something, sometimes like medicine was like fun, but it was a bore, right? I still have an intellectual sort of curiosity with it. But when you're new to something like finance, you become much more passionate about it. You become much more for me, much more of a sponge, right? Think about anything else that you've discovered in life, right? I mean, it could be like, you know, this is not how I make a living on it, but I'm just totally intrigued with it. And the opportunity for me to put it, you know, both circumstances together, yeah, I really just took it to 
you know, to, to make the mess, you know, make the most of it uh, that I could have out of the time. And, and you, you know, and, and, you know, that's not to say that there haven't been failures and trials and tribulations, but if you have a good network of people around you, you're not going to get hurt. And that's the function. And, and people are always asking like, well, how do you have such a great track record? How did you do this? How do you do that? And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> The people who are the most credible, are the ones who will tell the story. And that's why I wrote the book. Like people will tell you anything, you know, they'll make up any bullshit excuse. But really, if you just follow certain principles that I've developed over the years, working with wise people, not chasing shiny objects, you can clearly deduct to it. It's not so much common sense, but it tells the narrative of what my experiences are, the knowledge in my experiences versus uh, what you're hearing on TV today. Yeah, yeah. And There's a lot are. of wealth advisors out there. I mean, it's interesting. I was at a conference last week, and there's this guy who looks like an old accountant. He's running billion dollars from a strip mall next to like a nail salon and a pizza place and an Edward James. And I'm like, this is I've never, never seen anything like this. That tells you what's to come, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it does. It does. It's it's definitely more diversified than it was, and it looks very different. And if you want yeah. to learn more about these topics. Yes. Invest, invest in legacy, how the 0.001 invest. Uh, and and we'll, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. I, I do want to ask you yeah. uh, a last question before we go. And I always ask, it's my mission statement reframed as a, as a question. And so since mm -hmm. you're a big fan of legacy, you know, my question to you is, Sal, how do you use your difference to make a difference? I am using my difference right now to persuade people to look into asset classes that they would never have looked into before that I think is really going to make a tremendous impact. And it's not real estate, but it happens to be life sciences. Life science? Mm -hmm. Because oh, I think wow. the 20s are going to be the roaring 20s, but only for healthcare. Think about it. Think about it, Tayo. We had the world came together in six months and came up with a vaccination. That's right. Think about it. What else could happen? Uh, right? That's what else so, could happen? Huh. Interested. All right. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I can't. I can't. You definitely give me a lot to think about. You've given me a lot of things to reframe. Think about it. Yeah. I, are I, you I, bullish on pandemics or are you bearish on pandemics? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I end up, you know, I, I had a lull, but I end up being bullish because I believe Mm -hmm. in the best of humanity I'm, I'm an optimist but i'm an angry optimist. yeah all right well i mean i'm cynical at best paranoid at worst but that's okay you're younger no, you, you can have your yeah. cynic and i can have the optimism but that's why the, that's the beauty of the world though but i i'm, I'm it's an true angry, it's true optimist but i do believe i do get bullish i do get bullish i gotta admit it i get bullish <laughs> no but we we'll all see. have I'm to like, believe face. in everything i, know I look that. at your face <laughs> but you oh, know like self spinning this bullshit well you know i want to yeah i know i get it you can save it for, you know, your Instagram with the girls and everything. But the point is, no! is that this is what, no, okay. <laughs> I'm no, tender, okay. not greedy. I know, I get it. But the point is, is that um, when you're asking like what's going on in the future, I really think that that's the next future. And I don't think, I mean, whether you like to admit it or not, we're sort of in a non-kinetic warfare with China. And I think you're just going to start seeing more and more of the stuff come. And it's just, they, you know, it's an unfortunate, but that's how the world works today. But you know, we are Americans, we're resilient. And, you know, we, if you start following the path of that uh, leadership and, and resiliency, it, I don't think it's going to be a bad trade. Okay. All right. Well, here's you know? to more, here's to more resilience. And yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ricardo, to show Sal. It's been a real pleasure. We'll make sure. We'll Same here, man. Oh, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Take care.
You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.